Hi everyone, and welcome to our latest Tap Talks HR podcast. This time I'm pleased to be talking to Alan Hayes, the director at Really Good Ideas. Hello Alan, thanks for taking the time out to join us today on our Tap Talks HR podcast. Hi, and thank you. Uh, Alan's role is in the construction industry and has led him to do some research around how learning is enabled in such a challenging environment. Alan, do you want to start by giving the listeners a flavour of your experience? Sure. Uh, I guess last year I must have celebrated my 40th year in the construction industry. Uh, So I entered the industry in the world of uh, engineering consultancy uh, back in 1978 and then moved into the world of contracting all the while pursuing the career of a a civil engineer. Uh, As time moved on and I moved more into management levels, then I began to uh, move into the roles of strategy and business development um, at a corporate level for large organisations. And as time developed again, I began to uh, be more and more interested in the influences of contract structures and governance structures within organisations on the way people behaved and people's responses to the environments in which they're placed. And uh, I guess that then led me to a a formal programme of study in social sciences. So I kind of ended up in a position where what I say I try and do now is bring evidence-based behavioural science into the infrastructure domain. So that's kind of where I am with what I do at the moment. And that must be fascinating in in a kind of environment like the construction industry, which um, I wouldn't say isn't probably the most well-researched sector Mm -hmm. in the UK. I think you're right. I think um, the construction industry is well-researched, but what I've found is that it's well-researched by the construction industry. Right. It's not necessarily well researched by the social sciences um, side of, uh, of of behavioural science. So that in itself is interesting. Indeed, in the work I was doing, I was finding pretty much two strands of literature um, to examining learning in the industry. One of which was developed in the field of construction management, and then the other of which is developed in the social sciences field. So um, I really saw a, an opportunity to bring those two things together. My experience in the construction industry and what I was learning and what I was, the research I was finding in the social sciences field. And I know your research kind of, I know it's quite broad, but it also centred around the social elements of learning within the construction mm-hmm. industry. So do you want to just give us a bit of an overview of what you actually did and, and what you found? Yeah, I think um, probably start by you know talking a little bit about what drove me to examine this particular angle. <clears throat> because um, I think... Uh, the reading I'd done around team development and the research on team development I found quite inspiring because uh, I was learning a lot about what was going on in other industries, be it in the military, um, be it within um, operating theatres in, in the healthcare, or be it within um, airline crews on, on, on flights. You know, So all that was fascinating. Um, but uh, in, in reading a lot of that, I wasn't actually reflecting on my own experience and seeing that those lessons were actually applied. Uh, in the construction domain, so it made me think of a uh, you know bringing um, that learning into the industry. Um, I think also the construction industry and construction projects in particular are an interesting domain to examine because they are by their nature very dynamic in that they constantly change by virtue of a project being built. 
uh, it's not the same tomorrow as it is today uh, and neither is it the same yesterday as it is today so you've got this constant change which is going on in a workplace environment which is probably uh, more dynamic than many other stable state environments if you can imagine working uh, within the domains of a corporate environment in an office or some other process related industry so I think um, that was interesting for me because the dependency on the success of the project has to be dependent to, to a large extent on the exchange of information between people on a daily if not an hourly basis and so it became fascinating for me to examine from a social context um, the nature of that exchange uh, that's going on in the project environment. And, and I know we, we've talked a little bit before we came on to the to record the podcast, and you've got some experience in some some really quite big projects and rail infrastructure projects, etc. And I suppose the learning comes in because you're doing stuff that probably has never been done before. Mm. So it's not like you go to best practice because best practice is what you're just about to do. Uh, th that's right. I think you've um, hit on an interesting point there because uh, a lot of projects are unique. Um, some elements of the construction, I guess, like how housing for example is um, more repeatable uh, in its learning opportunities but I think a lot of uh, projects are, are unique and so there is uh, if you like a, a dependency on being able to learn quickly in order to adapt quickly but I also think uh, there's perhaps an approach to knowledge management, knowledge distribution and learning in the construction industry which potentially relies too much on systems uh, and thinks too much in terms of um, things like knowledge management databases for example or um, lessons learned exercises uh, in a remote environment and I think that uh, we have to go beyond that and that expectation that knowledge can be captured and then distributed in a kind of perfect fashion and and look at actually the environments in which people are willing to share information uh, what holds them back from sharing information and also what per personal motivations they might have to learn as well. So I think those social elements are, are hugely interesting and indeed in the research project I set out to do without leading people onto that, you know, that's exactly what I found, you know, those social dim dimensions to learning were so important. Okay, and, and uh, can you give me an example of maybe where you've... Um seen something like this or maybe from your research project what people actually said and what these social barriers might be because yeah. I'm sure some of the listeners are, are thinking social barriers what are they give us an example yeah well that's um, my, my project was chosen to to look at um, a number of different major construction projects and I decided to look at major construction projects because invariably uh, they involve a number of large organizations having to work together uh, as a team and so conceptually they are potentially those organisational barriers uh, between the different uh, the different people in the project. Um, so that is uh, that is that is very important, very important context, if you like. And um, I think um, when I began to examine, when I began to talk to the participants about their learning experiences, um, what was evident to me was that they were on these hugely complex, very very technically challenging projects, and what they were choosing to tell me about was in one instance what they learnt about other people and how that influenced the way they communicated and shared information with other people and how they might have information shared with themselves. Their experiences of their working environment 
and how that environment created uh, a place in which they could learn or which they were allowed to learn and also their experiences of learning about themselves as well and how that actually influenced again what they thought they could learn or what they wanted to learn as well so those th three things came out rather than learning something about um, how to build a tunnel or how to build a bridge or something very technical um, so I think that was really really key but I have to say that the people I chose to um, focus on were people at quite a senior level uh, in the industry and that was deliberate because I wanted to hear about those experiences of learning um, where people had to cross the boundaries between organisations so it was interesting that those very human factors came out. And I suppose it's interesting when, when thinking about learning at a senior level because quite often when we think about learning in organisations mm -hmm. we're always thinking about knowledge and skills, mm -hmm. how to get to the masses and everything but I suppose with some of the, the kind of pioneering projects that you're talking about, the large projects where multiple companies are working together, it's, it's always those most senior people you are hoping are learning as they're going along because to, to, if they make a wrong decision it can be catastrophic. Yeah, it's about decisions and it's also about working with other organisations as well, so that's absolutely critical. Working with other functions within your own organisation, ensuring the information flow uh, is, is smooth between those, um, between those different functions, between those different organisations. So, you know, the real key is, um, I guess, making sure problems are flagged up as well. I think that's very key. Um, I had a very interesting conversation with one participant where they gave the story, they gave their account of how they felt that the senior team in the project was trying to present the impression of working well as a team, um, being a very harmonious team. Uh, and as a consequence of that, he felt that they were there was a barrier to bad information being presented to that team because somebody didn't want to disturb the relationships which were going on. And that was very interesting. This was a senior... Uh, senior management talk, talking to me about this and as a consequence of this this caused them quite a lot of internal stress um, the person thought they were trying to do their job in the best way they were able by presenting this information which they believe was hugely important people weren't listening and in themselves it caused demotivation and eventually questioning whether they actually wanted to do that as a career and whether they should be doing something else and I suppose that has two impacts, doesn't it? Because if you're if you're trying to say, look, there is an issue here, and and then people around you do not want to hear it, then the opportunity for learning about what the issue is and solving it is lost. But also, I suppose that person won't expose themselves as someone who might want to learn because because mm. they'll they'll want to keep their armor up, kind of thing, their shield up, because they'll they'll be saying, well, if I expose myself, then it's not being received very well anyway if I'm being really open. Yeah, there's two interesting dynamics on that which are quite well researched and well written about and I think one of those is um, the concept of groupthink. Um, I think it was Janice I think uh, came up uh, with the concept of groupthink and there's many famous examples of that from the uh, the Bay of Pigs fiasco uh, to other, uh, other elements where uh, groups of people have convinced themselves about the right thing to do um, but have failed to listen to other people uh, in, in uh, the reality of the situation they're addressing. There's that element. And I think the other element in being able or feeling you can actually raise an issue and creating an environment 
in which people feel they can raise issues is this concept of psychological safety or team psychological safety uh, which again is very well researched and I think Amy Ed Edmondson uh, may have kicked off uh, that uh, that topic back in 1999 probably somebody else before before her as well but this whole idea that um, uh, it's important to create an environment in which people feel that they can actually raise problems and those problems are going to be listened to um, you know something again that came out of the research and something that's hugely important yeah, because some, some things I get asked for quite often is around the, the concept of action learning mm -hmm. and, and how that works and how you can embed it inside of an organisation. And the whole premise of action learning is, as you say, you've got a problem and a group of uh, people who might know something around the subject come together yeah. and learn about it whilst solving the problem. So you can't have things like action learning if you don't have the psychological safety to... Indeed. If I reflect on my own experience, for example, uh, many years ago uh, when I used to work on construction sites, uh, then we would have um, monthly or weekly, I think it was weekly actually, what were called progress meetings. Um, but uh, I laughingly thought they were never really progress meetings, actually. They were more meetings at which uh, somebody who hadn't performed got bashed over the head. <laughs> so there was a constant pressure to actually present good news uh, at that progress meeting with a you know, consequent um, step away from the reality of situations in a way. Whereas I think um, the industry has changed to a large degree and I think people are more aware now that they've got to create the environments uh, which, uh, which people feel they can actually uh, say something is not right or you know, even they've made a mistake uh, and they're not going to be punished for it but it's accepted as a learning opportunity and actually a critical element of moving the project forward. So I think for the industry um, and for the people in the industry there I think is a if you like, a skilling requirement um, in management to be able to create that environment uh, in which people feel they can uh, feel they can share their problems as well as their uh, successes, uh, and also that creates a learning environment. So, I think there's a huge opportunity for management development in that area. And, and do you see um, anything that anything you've seen in the construction industry around the concept of learning that you think is has gone really well, or something that mm. can be shared elsewhere with other sectors? I think so. Um, for the for the first part of that question, first of all, I think um, again from the research I did, it was very evident um, that in one particular area of construction, which is the area of health and safety, I think there is. Um, have been quite large steps forward made uh, in sharing information. So one of the research participants, for example, um, gave me uh, an illustration of how a monthly meeting uh, was held with uh, the programme directors from different very large programmes on a, uh, on, on a particular project. And they all came together on a monthly basis to talk about the health and safety issues which had been on their projects and things that had gone wrong. And uh, there was very diff definitely from that person the idea that it was expected that people owned up to their mistakes. It was expected that people shared information about things that had gone wrong. And the agenda of the safety of people was so important to them that that was the imperative. Yeah. Whereas mm. I think actually some of the other imperatives, maybe around some of the commercial elements, maybe even some of the technical elements, maybe there's not quite that emotional uh, connection to those that you have about health and safety and the possible harm to people or loss of life 
um, you know, which is a very a real possibility in many construction projects. So it's interesting that you had that um, a level of psychological safety developed in a particular element of the construction project, whereas it maybe needs to move into those other elements as well. And and I suppose, as you say, yeah. into, in, maybe even into other industries. And it's, it's what's driven that. I mean, is it legislation? Is it um, the, the fact that the senior team have a narrative saying that health and safety is paramount and we talk about it first in our board meetings? Yeah. And is it you, there's learning there that they mm. can take that? I think yeah. um, the, the narrative has been there for a long time, so I think the narrative has developed uh, that licence to talk, if you like, that licence to talk freely, and so that, uh, that without doubt, is a, is a big step forward for the industry. And uh, I think, again, from my own experience, and uh, I mentioned that it was a while since I've been on a construction site, but in an exercise I undertook a few years ago, I visited construction sites as part of what I was doing, and I was hugely impressed at how that narrative had gone down into the workforce as well. Uh, it wasn't just at the senior management level, but it, that care uh, for one's own and other people's safety had gone right down into the workforce as well. So, yeah, there's something about how that developed, and is it just legislation? I don't know. I think there's, um, you know, maybe industry figureheads have, uh, have created that kind of normative behaviour uh, within the construction industry. Yeah. And I think it's quite interesting because so often I'm talking to people about different subjects on the mm -hmm. podcast and towards the end it, there's always something about leadership that, mm -hmm. that becomes almost like the conduit or the sticking point or the enabler in these things. And if you think that of, of, of the example you gave where someone was trying to raise a point and their leader wouldn't accept it, but then the narrative of great health and safety comes from leadership. Mm -hmm. I think that leaders in organisations, be it construction, be it elsewhere, seem to always end up being part of the solution for whatever we talk about in HR. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, again, construction industry isn't alone in this. Perhaps there's a, a leadership narrative that needs to develop, uh, which is um, less away from the heroic and charismatic charismatic model uh, of leadership and and being seen to be right uh, and being seen to be the the source of great information to perhaps uh, a leadership model which uh, is dare I say even seen to be vulnerable in some contexts mm. because in being seen to be vulnerable uh, is in being seen to be I guess similar to other people in the organisation or allows other people to express their vulnerabilities as well. So perhaps the leadership model needs to be moved towards uh, one of being seen to be vulnerable, being seen to care as well and allowing other people to express what they are unhappy with. And it's interesting because I know we were talking before we came on about um, some research around uh, the masculinity of certain mm. roles and the historical mm. way that these roles have, have taken over time due to the incumbents in those roles and, and the effort that there is trying to, to change that. And I think yeah. what you've described there is, is, is a, a lot of masculinity about mm. um, being all powerful and everything like that. But mm. I think that's a different podcast because I think we haven't got enough time to go down that one. Um, I mean, we're coming towards the end of our time together, but I was just wondering, is there, is there one or, or two key things that you think from your research or from what you've seen in the construction industry when you've applied that back into your thinking that you think our listeners in, in a broad church of HR that we have might take away and think, oh, I can, I'll go and see what it looks like in my organisation. Yeah, I, th I think the thing that really stood out for me was the very personal nature 
of people's learning experience and what they learnt. It, it was almost, for me, um, a function of people's identity, um, who they wanted to be, who they thought they were, and that then transmitted or translated into motivation to learn. And I think that was perhaps evident in the study in that, as I said, I was looking at people at a senior level um, who had to operate across organisations in order to get what they needed to do done. But actually all those people from, were from an engineering or technical background. But in this current level in which they were working, what was important to them was this human element. And, they, you know, what have I got to be in order to be who I want to be as well? I, I have to be this boundary spanner. My aspiration is to be this certain person. And so that kind of drives the learning, I think, actually. So I think, um, you know, learning experience are very personal rather than very um, technical or rational. Um, mm. It's not something that can't be forced into people. I think people have to have a mind to want to do it, which I guess may be a bit of a cliche. But yeah, I found it was, you know, the, the, the identity of people in, in their receptiveness or their exploration um, of knowledge was hugely key. And I, and I mean, that's a bit of a takeaway for me, actually, for today, because actually, when I think of the construction industry, being someone who's not worked in the construction industry, uh, you, you go past a massive, massive construction project, you go down a motorway where they're doing 20 miles worth mm. of roadworks, and you see all these people in high-vis PPE equipment, mm. and you start thinking that they're all the same, mm -hmm. and therefore it's just technical knowledge mm -hmm. that they need to learn. Mm. But you forget there is much an individual with their mm. own individual motivations, as actually anyone in any different environment Absolutely. or working environment. Absolutely, and that for me to says to get manage, managers to know their individuals, uh, if you like, line managers to know their individuals, and line managers to create that space for those individuals to uh, explore their own identities. And that's effectively, uh, I guess, what a lot of people are doing in those careers and uh, moving towards their own uh, creation of their own identity of who they want to be. And uh, you know, in, in doing so, giving people license to uh, you know license. To, to say when they're unsure about things and uh, yeah I think uh, take learning to a much more personal rather than a mechanistic level yeah. well I think I think that's a great point to, to get to is that it doesn't matter what sector you're in and it's the first time we've done to a construction sector on one of our podcasts then actually it's the same human desires of learning at the end no matter where you are there's just different flavors of stuff mm. going on but um, thanks very much Alan. I really do appreciate you taking the time out to do this podcast Thank you. I hope it's been of use to you. No worries at all. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you're enjoying the Tap Talks HR podcast series. If it's your first time, then please do have a look at our wide-ranging previous podcasts. If you're a regular listener, then please do give us some feedback on your podcast channel of choice or direct to me at anthony at tapsolutions.com. Thanks again, and we'll be back again soon.